Let's get socially deconstructed. What's up, everybody? We are back. It's your girl, Trina Dong. And today we are going to be talking about crises of all kinds, but mainly existential crises. And should we be taking them more seriously? Probably, but we'll try to figure it out. Of course, I'm here with your girl, Jamie. It's me. <laughs> and we have incredible, incredible, incredible singer songwriter, LA based Sarah Diamond in the house. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. So glad to have you here because we've been listening to all the tracks. So good. Let me just read some stats quick because they're amazing. Ah. So you have over, you're originally from Montreal. Yes. Let's start there. Great. And you have over. 20 million streams of your own songs not including the features which is almost 20 million in itself want to know how does it feel from like the whole starting from the bottom concept i'm sure when you started music it was like writing music in your bedroom type deal and it was nothing and then suddenly you know things start to pop off and you see a number like 20 million at the uh, just in the even in just the beginning of the road I'll call it right yeah how does that feel like genuinely how does it feel it feels like that number seems very high it seems very weird um but yeah I mean I started I started writing songs by myself and then it was me and my friends in elementary school forming groups in the schoolyard and writing songs together that were very provocative for our sweet young age of oh, interesting yeah like talking about like when i see you in the morning you're looking fine like Ooh. i know i don't understand <laughs> i don't know what we knew what was that age 10 8 10 age eight. 8 to 10 yeah, yeah i mean you know when you think about it trina <laughs> when i was that age i was singing rihanna's Sticks and stones don't break me, but chains and whips excite me. Okay, right, true. <laughs> my parents' minivan. I was just belting that out. Okay, that okay. is so true. You know? Yeah, we're exposed <laughs> to many adult topics at a very young age. Um, right. So yeah, maybe that's where it stemmed from. But yeah, I started writing like that, and then writing was a coping mechanism for me when I was in my teens, and I was sad. Mm -hmm. um, and then. I just started writing with people in Montreal and then it became more professional and it got to a point where I decided to pursue music professionally and songwriting was just in my in my bank of things that I that I could do. Mm -hmm. Um so it's definitely even to this point has stayed a like a a therapeutic method for me mm -hmm. just releasing my feelings and saying what I want to say but it's also like a an act of like fantasy in a way because a lot of the songs that I write aren't specifically based on things that I or my friends have been through they're just like taking a concept and then embellishing it and making it fantastical and exciting and glamorous and sensual so it's it's fun um but yeah to see that number is is crazy because this is a big number <laughs> yeah and I imagine it's just like never a real number like you never think it's real yeah I'm yeah. like should I check on that? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't double check it. Get paid. No double checking. <laughs> it's incredible. But the music is that good to just sit and replay. So you have a new song coming out Friday the 10th. The 10th. 
tell us about it we got a sneak peek y'all track is fire (laughs) and go on it's called hollywood in brackets you and me but we will just call it hollywood um and it's a it's kind of an ode to my past partners who have been super uh supportive of my career and of my dreams um and there's a line in the song where it goes i love you even in la hollywood's got nothing on you and me (laughs) and it just i think that kind of encapsulates the the theme and the the idea just you know la is very glamorous and there are things that pull you in and there's an allure to it but i love you even in la like hollywood has nothing on you and me um so that's kind of that's the concept and it's i you know i write a lot of heartbreak songs so it's nice to have something that's in a bit of a different narrative that's more upbeat and happy and positive and yeah i'm very excited for it i'm excited because it's it has like a a dance element to it jonathan watts produced it um and we came together and did it in a couple of hours so it was really really cool really excited for it there was choreo there was choreo do you usually choreo no i don't the choreo was it's actually it's pretty crazy um the choreo was done by richie jackson he's great he uh is lady gaga's choreographer and we actually worked together like 12 years ago because i had a quick uh, another life in la when i was a a, a little teeny boffer and we just like we linked up through my management and someone that he's working with and it was just like this 180 moment that was well i guess 360 moment and it was pretty crazy uh so he choreographed the video and directed it um and i was really happy because as much as i can like dance i'm not a dancer Mm -hmm. but he made it very comfortable and made the moves accessible for me and i just like i had a great time the the day of the video shoot was epic it was so fun you did that all in a day yeah wow yeah long day yeah, long day. Well done, long day. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that's the best type of choreo anyway for a, kind of a, a song like that is that anybody can learn the choreo. Right. Little TikTok dance. Everybody, you got to check it out. On the 10th, I'll obviously be linking after this episode comes out slightly, but we'll link you back to it because it is fire fire. Now, speaking of TikTok, I did a Sarah Diamond TikTok binge. Your cover of American Boy with John Mayer. With John Mayer. I couldn't get your version of American Boy out of my head for the entire day. I swear (laughs) it. Wow. It's so good. You guys, please check out her TikTok. So fun. I'm from like, uh, are you classically trained? I'm not. I mean, I took vocal lessons as a kid for a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, definitely not classically trained. Um, I would probably be using my diaphragm a bit more if I was. Which, but uh, but who else time for the diaphragm? <laughs> just wondering because you do. It seems like you may come from just like a stage background. Yeah, I've I where I would take singing lessons as a kid. Every year they would put on a little show for the for the the kids that would you know work at the studio. Yeah. So I did that at like six. Um, and my mom, when she was pregnant with me, she started a children's record label. So it was like a budget label, like a little, like songs for, for babies and for preschoolers. Um, and so when I was like five and six and seven, I would sing like old McDonald for her. 
just like in her bedroom, her producer would come and like set up the microphone and we would just like sing hundreds of songs. So I kind of got my start with that, with like learning how to use a microphone and how to be in, I mean, it wasn't the studio, it was like under beds and that, that was my first studio. The bedroom pop at its finest. Serious. <laughs> Old McDonald especially. Right? The finest. I got started at a young age, basically. So your first album was when you were like five? Essentially. <laughs> it's not a big deal, guys. Um, speaking of your TikTok, so I was on your TikTok and you put up a video of Jennifer Aniston's character from Morning Show, just kind of talking about how she was dead inside, basically. And yes. you wrote, <laughs> basically, more or less, more articulate. Um, yeah. But you wrote me during every existential crisis. Yes. And I connected with that so hard when I read it, but then I started thinking a lot about just crises in general and what that means when I say it, because sometimes I just say things like too casually. And I think these things might be part of the things that I say too casually. So I just mm. wanted to talk about what everybody thinks existen existential crises actually are. Right. And, you know, what we're supposed to do with them. Should we be analyzing them harder? Should I right. be stopping to think about them instead of being like, oh, I was having an existential crisis. Okay, bye. Um, time to go to Trader Joe's, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so I read the definition and I just want to define it for everyone. Yes, beautiful. I did that this morning, but it's already gone from my brain. You did? Perfect. Okay. So existential crises are inner conflict or inner conflicts are related to things such as life purpose, direction, and spirituality. A midlife crisis is an example of crisis that is often rooted to existential anxiety. Mm. And um, so about like a month ago, my therapist told me that she thought I was having an early midlife crisis. Oh, wow. And I didn't take it seriously because I just like couldn't. I was like, I cannot <laughs> wrap Wait, my head around that? <laughs> taking that seriously. But now reading the definition of this kind of makes sense kind of mm. makes sense and I think a lot of people pandemic time is the perfect time to not know what your purpose is what you're supposed to be doing and things like that so right. let's talk about the root of your TikTok quick when you saw that morning show clip am I is that the right show that's what yeah. it's from right yeah okay. what popped in your mind that made it remind you of your existential moments Hey, well, I've, I watched it again this morning and now I kind of remember what she said, but she was basically like, um, I don't know what life is anymore. I don't know what to feel. I just feel like every day is kind of, was that essentially what she said? Yeah. 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 It's monotonous basically. It's um, like, yeah. Like nothing. Um, in 2018, 2019, I was going through a very difficult breakup and also going through like the biggest mental health crises mm -hmm. of my life thus far. Um, and I had a lot of moments of existential dread and just not knowing what the purpose of, like it wasn't, now we're really gonna, it wasn't suicidal. It was just, what is the purpose of life? Like, what am I doing? Where am I going? Why am I feeling these things? Why am I feeling nothing? Why am I feeling everything? Um, and I didn't know how to cope with it. Um, and I think the only way, like spirituality definitely did help just in trusting that there was a higher power of some sort and that I would be able to make it through. Um, 
but that's that that was like my deepest time of existential moments and it took years to get out of it um fully mm. and so when i saw that that video clip the the clip from the morning show i guess i was seeing it from like a more lighthearted point of view because i was like finally in the clear and out of that time of my life um i mean not fully i still have moments of, of doubt and questioning but not at the the level of severity that it was at mm -hmm. during that time period um so I just, I connected to it and I said, yeah. you know what, this, this would probably make a funny TikTok. And, <laughs> and therein, I guess, maybe lies the problem where it's like, this would be a funny TikTok, whereas it could be very triggering for some people. Cause you know, if you're going through that and yeah. see, you know, it could bring about a, a, an array of, of feelings and emotions. Um, That's true. I, I don't think there's a problem with any sort of awareness. Honestly, right. I think that if you're like, poking at it and making fun of it that's one thing but just like simply pointing out that it exists at all right. is important at whatever level of humor seriousness whatever it is I think it's like that's why those things are relatable because either right. someone's relating to it like oh my gosh today I had this awful trip in the car where I thought like why do I even why am I in this car in here and right. some people is like more extreme than that so I think I don't think I think it's great for stuff like that and i think if people get triggered by it it's only to think about it more and totally. not like to be hurt by it right um especially not intentionally obviously right yeah um jamie how mm. do you feel about <laughs> an existential crisis you know i feel like almost as if it's like a weekly occurrence and let mm. me explain i'm in my early 20s mm -hmm. doesn't just the entire early 20 these entire five years seem like an existential crisis i graduate from college i don't know what i'm supposed to do i decide on a whim to move to los angeles and now that i'm here i'm like what do i do now that i'm here why am i even here mm. it's like every single week these are questions that i'm asking myself and it feels less like an existential crisis is a crisis when i'm like for me personally like going through these things because it just feels like change yeah. It feels like I'm a little caterpillar. I'm in my little cocoon. I'm thinking there's nothing going out. It's just, it's just me in here. And I'm just thinking real deeply. What am I supposed to be doing with myself? Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'll turn into a butterfly, blah, 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 you know? And then the whole cycle just repeats itself. So it's like, for me, it just seems like another word for change and just going through it, you know? Yeah. That's beautifully put deep mature i told you she's the mature she's like i'm in my early time but she's the mature one <laughs> for sure but also you're totally right by the way like good luck all through your 20s actually like yeah i'm so excited time. about it yeah, you're gonna have a great time but i think that that's also maybe the confusing thing when people that are uh, really busy, really hardworking, really dedicated, passionate, all of those things. When something like an existential thought exists, it's like very questioning because you're like, but I, I know how to do so much. I'm doing so many good things. I want to do so much. Right. I think that's possibly why it hits uh, a certain type of creative too, in a right. specific way, a little deeper. Cause it's like, wait, am I, is everything I've been doing for how many ever years wrong? Right. Well, yeah. It triggers it. It hits your identity, and it makes you question exactly what you said. Just what you've been doing your whole life. I was. Am I on the right path? Did I choose the right thing? Yeah. 
why am I doing this? Does what I do even matter? Yep. I think that those thoughts are sometimes, they're easy to notice when you're feeling that way, right? But maybe not easy to notice the connection between that, just the feeling and it being an actual thing that exists that has a definition that Mm. can be thought about in a way of like working through it. I love a good avoidance. Mm. Love, love a good disassociation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm all about that. Mm, I love, here. <laughs> love setting aside. <laughs> I hate a healing. Um, yeah. But obviously, like, it's more productive for me to do it that way because I forget about it until it's not productive anymore. But let's talk about how people should do it the healthy way, maybe. And like, how do we work? <laughs> James, like, what healthy way? Uh, how do we work through an existential crisis like that to actually get through to the end of it? and just go on to the next day. Has anyone figured that out yet? I mean, I always like to think of it as like, whenever I'm going through things like that, I always try to put like less pressure on it. So instead of being like, what am I supposed to do in life? Like, I always just try to like, if those kind of intrusive thoughts come in, I always just try to like, take a second and say, okay, wait, this is completely normal. Millions of other people in the world are feeling the exact same same thing I'm feeling. In fact, the entire like, time humans have existed this is a question you know like you could go back to philosophers like from you know the very first you know days or whatever and it's like what what are human beings what are we on this earth for what is the meaning of life like how did this all happen like those are all like regular questions and so instead of putting pressure on the fact that there is no answer it's like kind of that acceptance of there is no answer and you know i just have to keep on going that's part of it yeah this is something i'll never know the answer to and you know that's okay. I don't have to know the answer to everything. You just keep going forward. Also, um, you know, this too shall pass was a saying that helped me a lot. Um, you know, even now when I have moments of anxiety and I, I feel, or, you know, depressive thoughts and I, I start to feel myself like kind of falling into a little bit of a hole. I remember this too shall pass. This could literally pass in the next three minutes, but if you continue to focus on it, it can get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I just remind myself of that and try to breathe through it. And then something will happen, like I'll get a text from someone and it takes me out of the the dreadful mindset that I was in. And then I come back to it. I'm like, oh, I am feeling a little bit better. Like, okay. So yeah, just, you know, everything is temporary in life and and you just have to allow things to come and go, the good and the bad. Yeah. I think the other key is being okay with solving an okay to something to an okayness. I think people yes. often are like, oh, but am I supposed to be okay? Because literally five minutes ago, I did not feel okay. Is it okay for me to be okay now? And by other mm. people, obviously I'm talking about myself. Uh, but so it's like, it's a hard thing, but maybe I should keep thinking about it. And that is sometimes what people get stuck on. But you know what? Speaking of my therapist, as I always do, okay. she taught me to put ice in my hands when I'm having feel it. intrusive thoughts. Because then you're completely like, oh no, my hand's going to fall off. It's so cold or whatever. And right. it works. So like changing the temperature around you will completely take you out of it. And then as long as you don't allow yourself to like, I want to rethink about that, you don't. Right. Mm. I think about sometimes like I just like start biting my nails or like I'll like get very like touchy. Like all of a sudden I'll just like do this with my hands. I'll rub my leg. I'll scratch like a bug bite or something. But that's so (laughs) smart to like just put ice in your hand. And that's like that sensation of feeling that like you're looking for, but like in a good way. Right. Mm. That's nice. (laughs) Trina's therapist. Oh, she kills it. Right. 
I used that to have to, amazing. when I was younger, I was a tennis player. And so whenever I would get like angry, I would have a rubber band on and I would like flick my wrist mm. with it and that oh, would yeah. work. But that's a more painful route. Like right. you, yeah, it's true. you need to be marking yourself up. So truly pinching yourself or putting ice in your hands. I think, I think it might be just the only way to go. <laughs> I like the ice in your hands. That's really good. Yeah. It's a little wasteful of water and ice. I'll just say it out loud that I'm aware of that. But, um, but you know, it is underneath and you, you let the ice melt. And then you drink your hand ice. You drink no, you put it in your plant. <laughs> yes. Put it in your plant. Well, put it in your plant. Assuming that one has a plant. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I can't. Have water any. the grass. Take it outside. Water the grass. There. That's good. Yeah. Especially in LA. Soak in the sunshine yeah. while holding ice. Ooh, that's a great sensation. Whoa. You have the hot <laughs> temperature. You have the cold temperature. Whoa. Fun. Ooh. Fun. That's great. Anybody else have like little intrusive thoughts, tips that they randomly do in the middle of things like this? I go to bed. That's like my main thing is like, sometimes I'll be having like really bad panic attacks or like something is just like really getting me and I just go to bed and you know what? Everything is fine in the morning. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it works for me, but it's, it's like a reset, I guess, mm -hmm. of something that I need. And like, I don't usually have I used to have a lot of problems sleeping, but I don't have problems sleeping anymore. Mm. But like, I really just like pass out. And then I do, I really just wake up in the morning and I'm like, everything's fine. That wasn't yeah. as big of a deal as I thought it was going to be. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. For sure. Sarah? Um, I was actually a part of this like day therapy program for a little bit in Montreal. And something that we learned was something called the stare down. So basically when you're having anxiety or, or a panic attack or you're, you're in a moment of, of crisis, you close your eyes and you actually focus on the sensation. So instead of trying to avoid it, it's like you, you laser focus into the sensation and you breathe through it yeah. and you like one to three minutes, whatever it takes. And then the feeling just dissipates. Um, and it was a really interesting approach and it actually worked. Um, it took some practice cause you're just like sitting there feeling the anxiety, staring at the anxiety and you're like, what am I doing? But it, it did some good. Um, yeah, it did some good. And it was a really interesting program. Um, just like learning about the mind and different therapeutic practices for like four weeks. Yeah. That sounds great. That sounds very intense. It sounds like a, what is it, like a meditation, uh, retreat. But like kind of but without the retreat like, yeah less, <laughs> less like daunting and more just like we'll do it during these times and then right yeah <laughs> right yeah uh, on zoom you know exactly via zoom and you know just make it easy i found a buzzfeed list 50 tweets that will put any millennial into an existential crisis Ready? i'm not gonna share all 50 i'm gonna share about seven um okay WTF is burning CDs. Do you put them on fire? Wait, say that one more time. WTF is burning CDs, question mark. Do you put them on fire? So you know what burning a CD is? Oh my God. Oh, burning a CD. Yeah. So they, this person doesn't know what burning a CD is. Oh and my God. I See, that, even yeah, you that I, knows what it is has lost thought lost of what that it. could possibly mean. This person wants to know if burning a CD means you set it on fire. Oh, that's so sad. Really sad. For the record, I burned my own CDs. Really? Oh, yeah? Four I made, <laughs> I made playlists 
and burnt a CD. Yeah, but Jamie, you're a little bit different because of obvious reasons, but also you love music. That is true. And so I've always been a music gal. When you're a young person that loves music, no matter which generation you're from, I feel like you always know things like 30 years back. Mm, whatever it is. Yeah. Even though I guess I don't know 70s music, that's a lie. But whatever. <laughs> I know. I'm really like bad about like if it's before the 90s, I pretty much like I'm not well versed. And I, I do hate that about myself, but that's okay. too bad. Cause there's some good 80s stuff. I know. Like I have like tidbits of like I know a song here or there. And like I can get down to that song, but if someone's like, name five of these songs, <laughs> or like, or someone plays like a random Elton John song, and I'm just like, wait, is this Elton John? And then they're like, yeah, and I'm like, hold oh, on, okay. hold on, there it's are no random Elton John songs. <laughs> that is a good point. Jeez, sorry, sir. Elton it's kind John, of sad if you're listening to this podcast right now, which you always do. I'm Don't sure. tell him. <laughs> he heard it for himself. Okay, I never want him to know. Next tweet. One of my students really wrote a sentence that begins in the late 1900s. Oh my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I didn't like hearing that. That's crazy. But it that's so me. true. But you guys caught it much quicker than me because I was like, late 1900s, late 1900s. <laughs> like when is that? I was like, oh, that's, that's a couple of, like I was born in those. In the, yeah. That's crazy. That's, but it's true. Like, the 1900s the you know we're not in them anymore we're not in them anymore and that that century was a long century and even though we were on the tail end of it we're still part of that strange century the late 1900s traumatic business truly gross i know my teenage daughter just came into the kitchen and said i'm watching this tv show it's like a teen drama but it's set in the past I asked her what it was called, oh, no. and she said Dawson's Creek. Oh, that's funny. I never watched Dawson's Creek. That's okay, so but I you know what it is. I know what it is. Like it's to, in the past, that's to funny. think about just like a show that takes place like in like Cape Cod, <laughs> wherever it is. <laughs> just like they're wearing maybe more flannels than usual. Right. Really, the only difference, and some more spaghetti straps spaghetti straps yeah that life. <laughs> if you ever need an older tv binge dawson's creek is it okay yeah mental note on that one okay okay this one's gonna make you even more sad a list of how old your favorite emo bands are in 2021 so <laughs> she's just sarah's just staring at me just waiting for her favorite to be like 50 or something we don't know what's oh gonna happen um, I actually don't know this band, but I wasn't a huge emo kid, but All Time Low. Okay, yeah. 18 years old. What do you mean 18 years old? They're 18 years old. They the were 18. The band is 18 years old. The band is 18 years old. They existed. Wow. For 18 years. Blink-182. Oh, this my God. This one punches me in the whole face. Oh, okay. no. Blink-182, 29 years old. That's a long time. That's a long time. Wow. This one, for some reason, I don't know why I'm not so shocked by, but Fallout Boy, 20 years old. Wow. That's very impressive, honestly. That one seems okay to me. That one seems okay. I don't know why. I think it's because we've actually watched them age and like they're still around, mm. like doing stuff as them. Well, it's not that big. And of I deal. think it's because like they've had hits since the beginning. Totally. 
So it's like some of their songs, you're like, oh yeah, that that tracks. That's 20 years old, you know? Yeah, like the Sugar song. What is that? Sugar, we're going down swinging. Yeah. This one actually is a, the most devastating of them all. And you guys might not even have listened to this band, but Green Day, Green Day. is 35. No, they have not been together for 35 years. Green Day is 35 years old. That's ludicrous. 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 Fast <laughs> and furious ludicrous. <laughs> For real. Okay. This one's funny because I actually think that this one feels like it should be much older, but good Charlotte, 25 years old. Okay. I feel like the twins have been around for 50 years. I feel like they just have been, but mm. maybe I'm the only one. I don't know this one. MCR. What is that? My Chemical Romance. Oh, uh, 20 years old. See, that one seems weird. Newfound Glory. This one makes sense. 24 years. I feel wow. like Newfound Glory to me feels like they were like a 90s band for sure. But yeah. I actually don't and know them. You don't? I'll send you some. You might actually okay. like it. Okay. Or you might not. Um, Panic at the Disco. Panic at the Disco. I love them. They're 17 years old. That's crazy. I chimed in with a haven't yes. ever heard of. Yes. And I love that the lead singer is still around, just like killing it, making uh, songs oh, with Taylor Swift and just like Brendan like, Uri, right? Yeah. Yeah. Still very attractive as well uh-huh. for a man that's been in a band for 17 years. For 17 years. Last one. Some 41. Do you guys even know who that is? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I don't know. I can't even think of any songs to tell you. Let me look. Oh, yeah, you look. But Sarah, 25 years old. Wow. That's crazy. So that's the end of that very sad segment (laughs) of we're back in an existential crisis. How does that kind of stuff make you feel? Do you feel like you care? Do you feel like it's just like what you just said, like it's crazy? Or do you feel like you just don't believe it? What do you think? It It makes me feel... It makes me feel like I want to laugh. Like it's just funny. You yeah. know, like the burning the CD one. Like that's just funny. That yeah. it's, I feel like a, a grandparent who looks back <laughs> and is like, back in my day, like, exactly. you know, we didn't have cars and we didn't have a, a microwave. Like, I don't know. Um, sure. We're just like, just seeing the evolution of life and of technology and yeah. sound. It's, it's really cool. Um, it definitely doesn't, it doesn't make me feel too bad. Yeah. It's, it, I, it's a cool thing. I do miss the mix of this type of music within like top 40. Agreed. Agreed. Like there's not a whole lot of it, right? In top 40 right now? No. It's like, we it's really, like, we got close when five seconds of summer happened. I would say that they they'd turn into a pop band and then they turn into a boy band like of like uh young girl hysteria which made their like <laughs> yeah. mainstream like quality by like especially men go down so then they only became likable by women mm. and, which is just sad it's really annoying because they had like the same kind of flavor as like um all american rejects yeah which is like what i had been wanting like in music but whatever yeah. it's fine. how do you feel about um greta van fleet who is that it's a they're a band i don't know who that is check them out they're they're really interesting um okay. They're like reminiscent to me of bands from like the seventies. Um, I love that. <laughs> it's great. 
just 90 years before you were born, Jamie. That's all <laughs> well, that's, that's <laughs> no, only 42. It's like, I don't know 70s music, but I love modern music that sounds like it's 70s music. So it's it's a real catch-22. How do you know it sounds like 70s music if you don't know 70s? show. I don't know. Exactly. No, that's probably the truth in a joke. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're done with talking about crises for the day. Our last question that we ask all of our guests is what would you like to socially deconstruct? I would like to socially deconstruct using a phone as a distraction method in public. As in to like avoid people with or as in like, yeah. And to avoid, yes. And I, yes, I know I do it too. It can be a coping mechanism. It can be scary to talk to people. It can be annoying to talk to people. It can be I don't know, insert adjective. Yeah. But like, we don't just like enjoy anymore. Yeah. You know, like I I make it an effort to put away my phone when I'm in public spaces, if I'm waiting for someone, um, if I'm Mm. like walking around, if I'm doing things where usually I would just pull out my phone and like scroll through Instagram or like text some, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that's interesting because I think when we think about phones in public, we think about when you're with someone, put it away, put it away at dinner, put it away. But there is all of that important people watching time that, and like nature watching time and breathing at all without your phone in front of your face time. That's very interesting. And that is a very good answer because you're so right. And I've had some really nice experiences where I've put away my phone and I've striked up conversations with people and you know it's I feel like we lose so much through our devices Mm -hmm. um and it's just but it's interesting because I'm not saying it like oh people no one should do it no no no, I do it too (laughs) but it's just an interesting it's something that I find interesting yeah yeah like I feel like back in the day people would like read a newspaper for sure How do you feel about listening to music in public? Like the people that just have their headphones and listening to music like at the park? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's great. That's that's totally great. Cause it's like a different type of Zen, right? It's like a yeah. different type of chill. Yeah, and you can still like look up and see someone and wave, you know, like yeah. there's still that type of camaraderie, I guess. I totally agree with you. I so agree with you. Thank you for that. People think about that, please, because I think that's one thing that gets away because we're all trying so hard to not be rude around our friends or like mm. in professional settings with our phones. Right. But like we should also not be rude to ourselves. Right. With our phones. Deep quote that. Jamie, write that down. Got it. Deep, write down how deep that was. Thank you. That was um, very deep. <laughs> Trina. Got it. <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. This thank was you for such having a me. This fun. is so fun. Yay. <laughs> You'll have to come back. I would love that whenever you want but so much luck to you on your single everybody's gonna love it I hope the video is streamed or just as many times as your streams that's 20 million guys get her some dough and (laughs) let's do it let's do it um where can everybody find you on socials on the socials uh I am at I am Sarah Diamond on Instagram that's Sarah with no H um on twitter if you're into that i'm sarah diamond um on spotify apple music google play teaser etc 
I'm just Sarah Diamond. Um, YouTube. TikTok. TikTok. Oh my God, you're so right. I'm so sorry. I'm still kind of new to the TikTok yeah, yeah. world. My TikTok is I am Sarah Diamond. Mm-hmm. And my YouTube is youtube.com slash Sarah Diamond. Guys, check her out. She's so good. And I'm not just saying it. I guess we all know that I probably just don't just say things. But for, <laughs> just to reiterate, it's amazing. We love it. Check her out. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Go to Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you think. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.